Okay. Let's talk about learning. Yes. So when I look up the definition for learning, and just to introduce the topic of this podcast, the miseducation of learning and unlearning. Hmm. So as an educator, I love definitions <laughs> and meanings of things. Just the English teacher in you. You know? So the acquisition of knowledge or skills through experience, study, or by being taught. That's learning. So I, it makes me think, and I'm going to ask you, throw you in the hot seat. What is the first thing? <laughs> it's my stomach. Don't worry about it. What is the first thing you remember learning? The first thing I remember learning. Uh, I remember getting hurt a lot as a kid. Mm. Not like by people. Don't like call anybody. This isn't a red flag conversation. <laughs> um, like I remember when I was really young, we used to live outside of LA and we had in the, like the hills and we would just go out for hours and hours and hours. And my mom would just discover stuff out there. I'm sure there's like meth dens and stuff we were not supposed to be around, but we found it in an old shack one time and it had some tools in it and uh, it had this like a shovel, but it had prongs to it, you know, like a pitchfork of some kind, I guess. I thought that that was out since the middle ages, but it was in the shack and we were, you know, playing with it and playing like this game where how quickly could we move our feet away before we got stabbed and mm. I was not quick. Uh, and it went right through the top of my foot into the ground. Like, but not, I mean, it wasn't like in the middle of my foot. It was towards, it, I mean, it hurt and it was painful. Um, but, you know, I learned not to, not to go into creepy old sheds. <laughs> <laughs> or I think about like my, I remember my dad tried to teach me, he was a stuntman and he would try to teach me how to do certain things. So he would try to teach me how to juggle. And he wouldn't, he didn't teach me with like oranges or, soft cushy balls no he chose like bowling pins like the, not not the kind we find in at walmart or dollar general that our three-year-olds play with but. no like actual bowling <laughs> pins that i'm pretty sure are made of cement like some kind of resin oh it, they're gosh. very hard and i knocked myself out but i learned that i'm not a juggler i'm not the <laughs> most coordinated so much of like our learned experiences are like you learn a how to do something, but then you learn also what not to do. That's part of the learning process is also learning what your, where your limits are. Mm, I like that. <clears throat> so for me, the, the only thing that I can remember learning is not to touch the stove. Um, every Saturday morning, my mom used to press my hair with the hot comb and we had that gas stove and it was this bright, beautiful, beguiling red and orange the color rings. the rings calling to you <laughs> it was calling to me <laughs> i was frodo before frodo <laughs> and i just had to touch it and even though i could see the comb and the pieces of my hair burning and sizzling from you know all the grease that was on my scalp i still touched it and the only response was see <laughs> see i yeah, told you, know. you not to touch it um, but even looking at the other side, I remember sayings. My mom is a, a big, what's our thought for the week? Well, you know, what are we saying today? And so she would always tell me to remember that I was loved and to be a leader and not a follower. That's nice. And every morning, it seemed annoying in the, in the moment. In the moment, but today it's like, okay, 
uh, all right, it, it served a purpose. I didn't like it then. It held me up and it made me late, but it served a purpose. But I like what you said about the bowling pin. Not that you experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you experienced that, but it makes me think about what happens in our classrooms. We, we turn our curriculum into those cemented bowling pins. Mm. And we're it's whacking, we're knocking kids, we're knocking out, kids with out with <laughs> with what we want them to do with it, and and it's almost as if we have made this moment to where you know what now because I'm not successful because of what you gave me maybe I'm not supposed to be a juggler. You could have been an amazing juggler, but because of what I taught you, or the tools or that I, I used, you. or how yeah, I taught yeah. you, maybe if I gave you the Dollar General plastic <laughs> you know i was thinking about that just driving here today i was thinking about that about how um i'm used a lot as like oh you know give this to sam she'll do the the design of this flyer or she you know we need this to look really nice she'll put it together mm -hmm. never in my life my educational career did that those kinds of skills ever present themselves because nobody ever expected that of me mm. like what if i was supposed to be a graphic designer and not in a, like where I am now, or maybe it changed, would have changed the trajectory of my life if I was just given options. But we kind of look towards like, oh, there's people who are really strong in one area. Let's foster that. Yeah, let's focus on that. But what if we're missing the point of allowing students to discover their own talents and their own joys? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not really present <clears throat> when they're younger, but it's something that they grow into that could be something that they do really well mm -hmm. and they get better over time or they just find the right way. Yeah. I just, I, I was just thinking about that driving over here this morning. I was like, what if I could have been like a graphic designer and just done this stuff that I really enjoy doing as like a side thing. I mean, yeah. I'm not even making money at obviously. Yeah. Obviously. But you are good at it. But I do stuff like that. Right. <laughs> you like, do. It's, but nobody ever told me that I was really good at that or you should really here's some tools that you could use to get better at it. Or if this is something you really enjoy. Yeah. I never had those conversations with myself either. Mm. No one ever taught me to have those conversations with myself to find what I do find joy in and what I do want to spend time in developing. Yeah. Or maybe it's just scary. <clears throat> I think there's a culture of, of fear, like don't go there, don't do this, stay away from them. And I know for me, especially, you just didn't see doctors. I didn't mm. see doctors. I didn't see um, anything but teachers because that's where we spend more of our time is at school. I saw teachers and there was a teacher that was the only reason I went to college was because of Mr. Sharp. Shout out to, <laughs> to, Mr. Sharp. to Trent Sharp, wherever you are. But I wouldn't have went to college and there was a small glimpse like back in early 2000s, Jackie Reed hosted the the nightly news on BET. And she was fly, her hair was really dope, like, oh my gosh. And just the way she spoke was different than any other like black woman I had seen. And I was like, you know what? I wanna go and do journalism. I wanna do that. I'm a great speaker, at least I think so. I think so. <laughs> but you know, I can ad lib, I can come up with things really quick on the spot. Anything that's thrown to me, you know, I got it. I, I can make it work. I would have been a really great journalist. I really wanted to travel the world. And I told my mom, you know, at the time, 
it seemed easier to go into the military to do it. And she was like, no. That's more about no. her, her fear than you yeah. are. Yeah, right? and it was just shut down. And I was just like, man. And I don't know why it never occurred to me, like, well, still major in journalism when you go to school. But it's just I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. So what's, you know, the what's the path? And so when we think about learning <clears throat> and how we acquire this knowledge, but then what do we do with it? There's so many things we're good at, but how are we fostering that? for ourselves as adults um, and even as as kids, how do we help them learn or use what they're gathering while they're out in shacks? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the normal childhood experiences, but maybe it's about, maybe like teaching is really about exposure and exposing Mm. to things that maybe students wouldn't be exposed to otherwise and let them discover what those things are. And where they fit within their own schema. Nice. Taking them out into the world to see like, hey, you bringing can figure the world this in. out. Or bringing the world in. But isn't that the thing though? Is like we're so closed off in a classroom. We sit in a square box mm-hmm. all day. And we're teaching kids to think inside the box. And really the teacher is the gatekeeper mm-hmm. for how much exposure <clears throat> we're going to have in those classrooms. Because really everything is filtered through their lens. So if they're afraid of things, they're not going to be willing to share those things that they're afraid of to students mm-hmm. because they don't want students to be mm-hmm. doing those same things. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, and I teach my kids, you know, how you ask your students, you know, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And it's silence. Right. And which is like the scariest thing for a teacher. It's, it's like, worst. okay. But in that processing, how many of you just don't know? And Mm -hmm. everyone's hands go Mm -hmm. up. And I'm like, I want you to know that it's okay not to know. And even as a as a as a teenager, my mom would say, Well, why did you do that? I don't know. Why do you not know? (laughs) I didn't think about it. I wasn't thinking (laughs) about it. it. And for me, it's like, you know what, be okay with not knowing. You know, at at 34, scratching on 35 it's still a lot of things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And even as my students who are preparing to go to early college and they're like, Miss Ray, you know, what do I pick? What do I do? And it's just like, you know, it's okay not to know and it's okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. It's okay to like dance one minute and then realize, you know what, maybe I, I really like forensic science, you know, and that's okay. And so really getting our students to unpack that feeling of, I don't know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm cool with not knowing and I'm cool with trying to figure it out. Yeah. And it's also about maybe thinking about your own identity and helping students to identify themselves separate from their parents. They're separate from their Mm. parents, beliefs, their parents, whatever, finding their, their own identity and how multifaceted, how you can be more than one thing. You can have hobbies and interests. You can do, you can be a small business owner. You can also dance, for a company or you can be a part of these courses on the side or teach these classes on the side. Like there's not one thing. I think that's like a old school kind of way of looking at this pipeline of school. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're preparing you for a career, pick something. Mm-hmm. Why do I got to pick something? I could be a lot. How many, how many adults in the world are actually using their degree? They followed that path. <laughs> they chose their degree. They studied in this field and they're not using their degree at all. Yeah. I'm one of them. I'm not, using speech pathology and ideology or musical theater in any way, shape, or form. 
<laughs> Although I might at the talent show next week, but, I but you know, like we're not, I don't know why we're still holding on to those kind of old ways of education mm-hmm. when we know that we haven't evolved, but the world is evolving around us. Mm. So maybe allowing students to unlearn things also is on the larger scale is the system as a whole unlearning what works and what doesn't work and going and looking really taking a critical eye at like okay do we have to do it this way that's actually a good point almost like um fame since you're music theater (laughs) (laughs) it was a school of art yeah the school literally was dance theater art Mm -hmm. acting it was just all of all we of just showed our age because <laughs> nobody under the age of like 30 knows what fame is. I love fame. <laughs> uh, but what if there were elementary schools and middle schools and high schools that, you know what, I'm just a dancer and I know this is what I'm going to be. Mm. What if that was just their track and we had schools that were strategically designed to that math and technology because that's where the world is going. Right. And then if at some point, you know what? That's really not my path. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to switch over. But I mean, in some cases, some of our kids are not, reading is not their bag. Mm-hmm. They're good at math. And I used to, <laughs> I used to hate college the first, you know, I loved my master's because it was more concentrated. Your bachelor's, why am I taking biology? Why am I taking geology? Why right. do I need to know rocks? I am not doing anything with with rocks. <laughs> and I failed. I remember you told colors. me that. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I failed that class. And I'm literally just sitting here playing with rocks. And I just have no idea. And I'm watching everyone else around me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know why they're excited. But this is not, this isn't me. What am I doing here? And I feel like our students feel like that today. And so how do we reshape education to go with where the world is going, which is crypto and Bitcoin and tech, 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 tech. But then what happens when you have classrooms filled with people who have no idea what that is, they have fear around it, they can't connect with their students because it's like a foreign language. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of really hyper-focus on just this one content area. All I'm doing is teaching you this. And they're leaving it to somebody else to teach all the other stuff. But then when does that happen, Mm. if ever? That's a good point. And I think that's when it comes to the unlearning. Mm -hmm. Because education, I feel like, is one of the one careers or one areas of the world that is constantly changing. It never stays the same. We're always learning something new. There's always a new idea, a new acronym, a new strategy, a new um, method of instruction that's better than three months ago, four months ago, a year ago, a decade ago. I feel like if you're going to be an educator, you should constantly be I would even say as people check stocks that change frequently, you should be checking. (laughs) You should be checking education and what's changing with it because you have to change with it or you're doing your students a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. Right. Um, 
it's we just have to grow with the tide and be willing to look at our practices and ask ourselves, is this benefiting my students or is it hindering them? Am I giving them a bowling pin of cement? <laughs> <laughs> or am I or am I taking the time to show them why this why they shouldn't touch the stove? Right. And I'm thinking about it's so much about the students, but then it also has to start with the adult mm -hmm. and really being okay with asking themselves that within their own life because they have to be a model for that. How are they going to model that for students if they're really not taking the the jump themselves to really discover, okay, are there things in my life that like I'm okay with, but what have I been missing out on? So let's talk about COVID. <laughs> yes, let's. And where and how we are having to unlearn or maybe I'll even say how teachers want to unlearn and where that leaves us with our administration and TEA. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think about accountability and that word has been used as like a weapon mm. <laughs> in education lately. Um, you know, the idea of accountability is to provide supports so that people can reach their goals. That has become, that word has become so loaded and punitive um, that now like a pound, a accountability is all about like those standardized tests and you got to get those scores up, you got to get those scores up. But what we saw with COVID was that we're not teaching those skills to help students really apply knowledge in their lives. Mm -hmm. Not just students, like younger students still in school, current students, I'm talking about like adults too. We saw as a society, like we just couldn't cope with a change in our structure. We couldn't cope with like, not, you know, what do I do when I'm stuck inside and I have this fear and how do I emotionally, like, how do I manage my emotions around this experience and living in that kind of fear? Um, so I think as a society, we adults and kids have come back with trauma. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about like learning and unlearning, we need, I think we're seeing like we need to learn more about trauma-informed classrooms. Mm -hmm. We need to learn more about how to take care of ourselves as, as people, as a society, um, and not just go back to our old ways of, well, let's just teach this one thing this one way. Because if students can't go home, and use that to make their lives better and get them mm -hmm. out of situations that are harming them, what are we even doing? Yeah. And I think teachers really want to help students in that way. I think people who become teachers become teachers because they genuinely care about people. But if we're not really open to helping and tangibly helping adults to deal with that stuff on their own, mm -hmm. we can't expect our students to be able to learn that either. You make a good point with that because a teacher is really nothing without the partnership of the parent. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we first, when COVID happened and we were introducing a new school year and we were virtual, we had to let parents know and provide a visual. There should be a desk. There should be books. There should be a quiet space. And in many homes, this wasn't a an understandable concept or maybe it's not possible or not possible at all and so not thinking about 
those environments that didn't exist. Even telling parents, you know, hey, did you know that if you gave your child a hug every day, that that releases tension, that it reduces stress, like this is science, hug, hug someone mm -hmm. um, during this time. And so I really think as far as education is concerned, we have to consider educating parents as well. And this is something that I don't see districts doing. Um, even um, in certain populations where almost 80% of parents speak Spanish, but yet there are no programs to help parents speak English. And so if you have a student that only speaks Spanish, but yet in order for them to be successful and to increase your scores as a district, would it not make sense to help the families as well speak English? So that way when they go home, they can still practice that and have support. We're not thinking about the long-term aspects of learning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. And I also learning. think it's also a way of us unlearning what we, what, what we think support at home looks like. Mm -hmm. So if I have a parent who doesn't speak any English, I have had these conversations where the parents don't speak English, the ch their student is struggling in school because they need more time at home. And the parents says, well, I, I can't understand any of this work, so I can't help them. I'm not, this is the misunderstanding and the miseducation of what it means to look to learn. Mm -hmm. We're not asking for you to learn these things for you to teach your child. I'm asking for you as a parent to create a space for your student and help them to dis to discipline themselves enough to sit every night and work on mm -hmm. these assignments. I'm asking you to check their, to have a conversation with them in whatever language you speak that, works, yeah. that says, okay, what assignments do you have coming up? What do you need to work on? Mm -hmm. And then we can provide resources if they're stuck. We have online resources, we have tutorial times, but keeping your students accountable. But this idea of like, yes, we need to educate parents about what learning looks like because learning is those soft skills mm -hmm. takes a collaboration between families yeah. and campuses. And that's the piece that's hurting our students the most. Mm -hmm. We can teach you how to read. We can teach you how to write. We can teach you math concepts. We can teach you about history. But if you don't have the ability to organize your mind, organize your mm -hmm. space, organize your time to communicate your needs with other people, to problem solve and find solutions when they come up, those are skills that everybody needs. That's the stuff that I think we need to, we need to be teaching our students, but we also need to be teaching our communities. Mm -hmm. How do I help my, help my child? Cause it's not about just go to school and learn this thing and come home and this is separate events. Learning is a process of life. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter the building you're in. Doesn't matter where you're located doing it. Yeah. And even thinking about, because even our generations are different. Mm -hmm. um, the things that we care about are different. And this is an, an unlearning as well, because for me, I think, well, because my mom was super anal about my handwriting. Mm. People love my handwriting. Oh, Ray, man, that's, you write so well. We yeah, want... but that cursive, though, is beautiful. Like, <laughs> I understand it's, it. It's divine. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean as I don't know who says this, but I got blisters on my fingers <laughs> because my mom, you know, back in maybe like 93, 94, where you had to tear out that paper and it was like that really thin, if you erase so much, you'd get a hole in it. I don't know what kind of paper that was, but my mom, she didn't understand all the math. She may not have understood everything, but if it didn't look right, if it was sloppy, 
I had to erase it until it was perfect. She checked my homework and it wasn't a sleeping in all day. You woke up, you had chores. There were, you know, things to do. So where when the pandemic happened, I still woke up every morning. Mm -hmm. I still got dressed. I worked out. I made breakfast. I got my daughter ready. Her computer was ready. It was just something that was instilled in me because that's what my mom did. And so as for me, I assume all adults do this. All adults have done this with their children and no one is laying around. No one doesn't have a space and everyone has a desk in their room. And, mm. and it's like, no, that wasn't, you know, and shout out. Thanks, mom. <laughs> thanks, mom. I had a desk yeah. and I had an encyclopedia. I had a bookshelf and I read and I had a typewriter and, you know, she heard that we were learning cursive in middle school. So I spent the whole summer learning cursive only to find nobody learning. <laughs> nope. no one's writing cursive so okay but you think that there are all parents are like this and that all students have because this it's been your experience because it was my experience and so to have a student not be prepared and not have a pencil and i'm like that's odd <laughs> and thing, that's interesting because i hear that a lot of like well students should do this or they don't care students should do this or they don't care parents should do this obviously if they don't they don't care mm -hmm. why are we jumping to the conclusion that they don't care maybe they just don't know. they don't know they don't know why are we why are we already assuming what they know and don't know and then using that against them mm -hmm. instead of doing our like what we're supposed to do which is help to teach them those those skills yeah it's automatically a well nobody cares about you if they didn't show you this this doesn't make sense. Shame on you, right. eight-year-old. Right. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> you eight-year-old, why don't you know how to do this? And and it's it's so crazy that that's the first thought. And so I think just as an educator, as a teacher, to think maybe they just don't know. And maybe mm -hmm. it's your role to show them not only what it is, but why it matters. And to, to also think about how skewed our perspectives are towards students because we are looking through our own experiences and our own memories of like what I was like as a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was in high school, this wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, when you were in high school, it was like, you know, the eighties or the nineties <laughs> or like whatever, you know I mean? Like we're not even in the same century no. anymore. Um, but also like social media and how that influences how we view students and our expectations. It can be so damaging. Mm -hmm. to because then you start comparing what you have with what you think you should have you should know more. and then we punish kids for what we have yeah that's you should be way better at this yeah and but the same could be said for adults right like i'm sorry i've seen dead post society too you're not teaching like that at all like, <laughs> should i be shaming you because you don't look like morgan freeman right or like because you're not you're not leading the great debaters right like what are we that's a good point, because even, you know, there was this big craze when all the kids got technology. Oh, they're going to do great with technology. They're going to do awesome with these Chromebooks and these iPads right. because they have cell phones. Uh, No, they cannot type. They cannot copy and paste. They don't understand digital citizenry to save None. their life. None. They're putting the personal information out everywhere. And think about the, the frustration in that as an educator. You're like, all right, guys, let's pull up this PowerPoint and let's just get busy. And they're like, what? What? What do you want me to do with this? How do I copy and paste? How do I screenshot? And it's just like, but you're on your cell phone all day. 
yeah, making TikTok videos. Those are, but it's also <laughs> the the motivation and the mm -hmm. purpose mm -hmm. and how we're using it. Right? Yeah. So I also, on a side note, get really frustrated when we have like an entire central office that still uses Word documents and PowerPoint. Where this is the age of Google, baby. Right. <laughs> like, why are we still doing this? Like, I have a computer that does not even want to open your files. Mm -mm. And, if, oh, it's so much better. No, it's not. Is it? It's really not. I don't think it is. Like, I'm not that old, but I already know. Like, we don't I'm old enough to know that, like, <laughs> this is an improvement. And that's, oh, that's so funny. Because my husband asked. Hey, babe, they have a discount on Microsoft where, like, you can get the whole office. There's a reason. And I was like, <laughs> I turned at him. <laughs> and I was like, um, we use Google. And anything that you need to do is there. X that out, please. <laughs> and it's just, that used to be, Microsoft used to be yeah. life. And yeah. now it's just like, who does that? I don't even know how to work in Microsoft Document no. anymore. I, I pulled up a PowerPoint the other day and I couldn't even, I had a, a teacher was out and I was pulling up their presentation on for the class for the substitute mm -hmm. and it was a PowerPoint. And I, I opened it up and I was like, oh, just scroll through these slides on the side, I guess. I don't know how to present. Like, there's no present button. I don't what know. What is this? Like, it hasn't been that long since I used PowerPoint, but it's been long enough it's that I have totally forgotten. It's been a minute. I was like, just uh, magnify this and present it this way. Tell them to ignore everything on the outside. Like, who is this person? But it's, <laughs> it's, it's really just showing the layers to what we're, I don't want to say what we're dealing with, but just what the mountain that we have to climb in, in regards so, it's to. It's so fast. It's, it's changing so fast. So fast. Mm -hmm. And we're so slow to change it. Like we think about districts as a whole and they want, they know they need to change something like whatever metric they're using. They can see the students are not learning. Mm -hmm. They can see their graduation <laughs> rates, attendance rates, all the things are not, well, we need to do something different. And they know that we have to change, but they can't, they don't want to overhaul the whole system because mm -hmm. that's scary. What if mm -hmm. that doesn't work? So they just add more initiatives. Mm -hmm. Oh, now we're going to be doing these restorative circles in our classroom to build relationships. Now you're going to be doing this, uh, this reading, uh, this reading program to increase your students' fluency. Now you're going to be doing these, this kind of data analysis with these kinds of assessments every single day. Now you're going to give me seven page lesson plans instead of two page lesson plans. Cause mm -hmm. I need to see, all your of these process. questions, your thought process and the <laughs> levels of questioning. And, and so is it any surprise that we have teachers who care so deeply about helping the students in their room, mm -hmm. but then they turn around and they're being bombarded with all this stuff that they know is not in the best interest of students, but it's really because at the very top, they're trying to find a solution without looking and actually knowing who, the, what the needs are. Mm -hmm. Like we know that there's a problem but we're just going to put these band-aids on it yeah. and hope that fixes it instead of going in there and rooting out what's, what's hurting and, and like really going through that process of change mm -hmm. and regrowth. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the, at the end of the day, and I was, I was telling someone um, in a leadership meeting, we just need time mm -hmm. and we don't have it. Teachers are screaming about time. Yeah. We just need time. I could do anything you ask. I just need time. 
And it comes to the point where now I'm having to choose whether I want to build relationships or if I want these scores to skyrocket. Can you skyrocket your scores without the relationship? Exactly. And there's not enough time. There's not enough time. And so a teacher, an educator, doesn't want to have to choose between the two. Mm -hmm. I don't remember having teachers choose between the two when I was going to school. Or maybe they just kept it from us. We don't, <laughs> we don't have a filter anymore. Yeah. You're like, right? We're like, it's True. all about transparency. We can see everything. Um, social media doesn't allow, like, everything's exposed now, yeah. right? The whole underbelly. I don't remember my teachers reading objectives to me and mm -mm. showing me teaks and standards and, you know, hey, this is your success criteria. Here's the book. You read it. Yeah. Right turn the page. It. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Miss Johnson, what page 15 on? Like, it was, you were just in a book. Mm -hmm. And we still learn and we still, you know, it's maybe we're overcomplicating things. Mm, too much happening all at one time. There's too much going on. Like, can we just ride on the magic school bus? Can we just take a field trip? I mean, there are programs that are doing that well, right? They're yeah. starting with relationships and they know that all students will will grow, but it might not be at this accelerated rate. Yeah. Because that's the new buzzword, right? Acceleration, Acceleration coming out of COVID. Accelerate learning. But acceleration does not mean putting more onto a student because mm -hmm. you're going to get less results. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's, it's we need quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, as an educator, what do you want your students to experience? I had experiences. I didn't have lessons. I had experiences. I can remember moments in my classes where we had conversations that were icky, that were probably not popular. We watched things that were icky and we had conversations and it challenged me to think about who I was. And I want to create experiences in my classroom mm -hmm. where students can challenge who they are and maybe what they're learning at home and even to challenge themselves. You know, right now we're learning research because I don't want them to take anything I say at face value. Don't believe me that it's hot. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what we've seen mm -hmm. in our society at large is this just kind of this need for a critical eye of everything mm -hmm. so much. I remember when it, just, it wasn't even that long ago, we were talking about how to tell the difference between like, you know, genuine facts and fake news. Yeah. That term fake news, but it's so prolific and it's so, it's so difficult to tell what's real, what's not. Everyone just wants everything in like, a 30 second snippet mm -hmm. and to make a determination from that point on. And nobody's thinking about what's real, what's not real, what's best, mm -hmm. what's not best for me. Or why does it matter? Why, why is it important? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot. Um, a history teacher <laughs> that I, that I'm partners with, you know, she says her students, you know, where are the Mexicans in this history? Why, why aren't we in this? Why don't, you know, where are we? And in U S history, mm -hmm. <laughs> They don't really have a starring role. And so I'm like, that's really awesome that they're asking this question. You know, even I had a student like, Miss, Miss, why are you always talking about immigrants and immigration? And it's like, well, even though it doesn't affect me personally, it does matter. It's going on in the world. And I want you to know what's happening in the world and how it affects other people. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just feel like it's important. And I think the only difference that has happened is self-selected text mm. where students get to choose what they read, yeah. choose how they learn and why they learn it. I mean, that's college. You know what I'm saying? That's we're preparing them for it. So I feel like even as parenting, my daughter questioning me. I couldn't question I couldn't question my mother. <laughs> and then back in the day, and even talking to my mom now, she's like, ooh, parenting is hard. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, because she has questions. Why do I have to do chores? And why don't you have to help? And why can't you do one day and do the other? And before I, you know, my mom was like, Well, I'm the parent, you're the child. And it's because I said so. But that's that old school teacher yeah. view too. I'm the teacher. You're the student. Yeah. You just do what I say. But that's it. Doesn't work. It doesn't anymore. work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. And it shouldn't work anymore. And it shouldn't work anymore. <laughs> it shouldn't. We shouldn't just be here having power struggles left and right. Like I'm an adult. Just believe me, because I've aged. I've managed to survive. Like that doesn't give you what any is kind that? Of that uh, what is that? A uh, South Park? Obey my authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And so you know, because I was making uh, Zoe's chore calendar mm -hmm. for the week and what she had to do, and she's like, you know, my name is coming up on this calendar a lot. Why don't you have to do it? And I'm just like, I mean, I guess I could. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I was like, I've been waiting for this moment in my life where now that I got the the mommy draws, <laughs> I get to dispose all the, the duties, chores yeah. and the duties to you. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know what? I guess on on the weekends, I can do the dishes. Me and dad can help. Yeah, we could. And so I like that, the advocacy mm -hmm. and the, the back and forth where before it was disrespect. Right. You don't question me. That's you don't challenge me. Mm -hmm. Now it's advocating. We're unlearning. Mm. <laughs> Look at that, full circle. <laughs> we are unlearning and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But growth is uncomfortable. Yeah. Learning is uncomfortable. Yeah. If we, I mean, that's the thing that we're constantly talking to students about is they get so hard on themselves about, well, I didn't get this right. No, I know that's the process of learning. So yeah, I'm going to give you multiple attempts to do this thing. But then when they go into a classroom where they don't get multiple attempts to do this thing to show that they're learning and show their progress. It's once, and then that's held against you and hurts you. Mm -hmm. It's punitive. That's not a healthy learning process, right? When do kids learn how to advocate for themselves and to go back and learn that learning is a process that's never ending. Mm -hmm. You can always grow on it. That's, we have to unlearn what learning is. Mm -hmm. In education, the school campus should be the safest place mm -hmm. for them to learn. It should be. At. It should be the safest place. We should be celebrating <clears throat> when students are getting wrong answers publicly and out in the open because mm -hmm. they were brave enough to do that that thinking out mm -hmm. loud for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. That should be celebrated. Yeah. But then that that's the thing that I think COVID and remote learning really showed us was how punitive we've made the learning process either you mm -hmm. it's still the haves or have nots either you know it or you don't mm -hmm. and if you don't well you better hurry up and fix yourself because the world is going to cast you to on. the side yeah mm -hmm. the world is going to move on without you You have to learn technology you have to learn how to copy and paste you have to learn how to do this the world is moving on <laughs> the world is changing it's not gonna stop all the world was waiting for you but now <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but now it's going to leave you behind. So you got to learn it. And I think this fear, and, and I'm guilty of it, this fear of if I don't know, you know, even to this day, I'm still scared too. Mm-hmm. Of the unknown. Of of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And taking that leap. Us Girl. doing this podcast. <laughs> Dude, like anything that's happened in the last five years of my life, like, yeah. Everything's like stepping out into the unknown, starting over with everything. Yeah. As a single mom, going, you know, going to school, get my degree, new job, Whoop. moving out of the classroom into admin. That's scary because I knew how to be a great teacher. Mm-hmm. I I knew exactly how to I knew how to do that backwards and forwards. This new job, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is. And look, it's okay. But I'm learning. But you know what? I'm so hard on myself for making mistakes along the way and always feeling like I'm not doing good enough. And where did where was that instilled in me? Mm-hmm. I'm still carrying that in my adult life. Yeah. How many adults are out there still carrying that? punitive limited version of what learning is and making life choices that are limiting their real experiences and what they could be experiencing because they're too afraid because what if I get it wrong yeah and I'll be punished for it yeah we got to stop that yeah we gotta you know what we gotta be not afraid or have to go into the shack to to play around and so <laughs> This is not a good metaphor. No. Go like, ahead and just stab each other's feet. Let's just get some ASMR in there. Let's see how fast we can go. But it's, you know, when we were young, I used to play in creeks. Yeah. And I I remember one time, and in, uh, in, of course, we're in Austin, Texas. Woo, but Bartholomew Park has a creek behind it. And me and my, my little rugrat friends... <laughs> used to go into that creek and one day as we were climbing out I looked back and there was a water moccasin just just swimming by just swimming by and I'm just like whoa I could have been bitten and I went back this next day (laughs) but as kids we had imagination and we we played games we went where we weren't supposed to go and I feel like as adults once we learn that the stove is hot we learn our limits. We learn our limits mm-hmm. and we shouldn't have those. I get that a lot. I get a lot of judgment um, from people, adults, parents, whatever, because I raise these like free range kids. I'm like my son, he's the kid that's on, on the roof in the top of the tree, creating his own zip line, um, you know, setting up obstacle courses, just wandering around the downtown area, going for a walk for hours at a time. Um, but you know what he knows when he's been in some situations that were dangerous situations he'd be like at our local park or whatever and he was approached by a guy who was high on something totally delusional thinking that like the isaac was his daughter Mm. and um followed him home like i my son knew this was not a safe place he came home he came home right and told me the guy followed him home um and we were able to, to deal with it and then the cops came and like whatever a, a high-speed chase ensued in the town. It was very exciting. Oh, my god! But my son knew how to take care of himself in those situations because mm. I equipped him to not be afraid, but to think about, okay, how do I get out of this situation? Hmm. How do I look at this? Like, I'm not going to be a helicopter parent, but it also means that I have to be okay with him being in some uncomfortable... Like, that's an extreme situation, right? Yeah. But 
I have to be okay with him making mistakes. Like he'll say things that are maybe inappropriate in a school setting sometimes, and I'll get emails about it. I got one just last week because of he writing a story that had some like blood in it. It was first person and this person, you know, he, he's writes these fantastical things and it wasn't according to the prompt, Mm -hmm. but he really felt like he needed to share this story. Mm -hmm. So we have a conversation. Okay. This wasn't appropriate for this setting, but Hey, if you want to write these things in this journal here at at the house right away, but when we're at, when we're in this setting, we're going to code switch and realize, okay, what's appropriate in this Mm -hmm. setting. How else is he going to learn that? Wait until yeah. he's an adult and go out into the world and then make mistakes like that when no one else is here to teach him those lessons? Yeah. And soften the blow? But for punishing him, for having the courage to share something that he's creating, mm-hmm. why would we squash that? Yeah. But learning what's appropriate in certain areas and what's appro- what's not appropriate, mm-hmm. that's an important skill to learn. Yeah. But sometimes it means he's going to have to sit with that uncomfortableness because he made somebody else uncomfortable and have to learn that lesson. We can't protect them from that process of learning. And then the passion is gone. Right. Yeah. How many, like, we're just like killing spirits left and right. All day. Yeah. I like that. So if we could sum up learning in three words. What would learning be? Hmm. I mean, the first word that comes to my mind is application. Mm. Maybe edifying. Mm. Or efficacy. Mm. My words are basic. <laughs> well, give me your basic words. Oh, my words are basic. Um, painful, mm. necessary, mm-hmm. and rewarding. I like that. I like the simple. Painful, necessary, and rewarding. Mm. This was good. The miseducation of learning and unlearning. and unlearning. We'll see you next time. Thank you.